Welcome to uh, another great episode of the podcast. Uh, this week, I have a chat with Jacqueline Reinhardt. Um, it seems like she's everywhere right now. Uh, she recently had an interview with CBC Radio, uh, played at the uh, Downtown Music Festival in Miramichi, um, and she's been getting a lot of press, and that is in anticipation of her new release, Sleep With Ghosts. Um, so we get to sit down and talk about a lot of things, um, her musical beginnings, which is a, a very common theme on, on the show. Um, we also dive into some personal topics, uh, self-help, self-care, um, how to heal from trauma and then learn from that and grow uh, and keeping an open mind uh, and all, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, uh, it's a fantastic chat and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, so here it is. Okay. So I have the, 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 the two-sided view or whatever. Which um, way, which way are you? Am I looking that way or that way? <laughs> there, that's the one. Yeah. Look to Over your, here. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And I'll look okay. this way. Yeah. That's awkward because it's, it's the opposite way. We can, totally, we can make it look like we're talking to each other hey. just like this. Now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. I'm, I start recording before I even bring you on. So, but I'll, oh, yeah, just add, so you I can edit all that stuff. Yeah. Sure. So anyway, how are you? I'm really well. Yeah, things are you've, good. You've been very busy. You've been uh, a lot of uh, social media stuff coming up, a lot of news and articles and stuff. This is awesome. I like to warn people before they add me on Facebook. I'm like, I will flood your newsfeed. Like, you might want to just <laughs> like be forewarned of that because <laughs> it there has been a lot. I mean, it's been it's been a while since I did anything this this sort of quote unquote big. Like, this is mm -hmm. like you know, uh, it's a whole new beginning. And, and so it's, uh, it's really, it's, there's a lot happening and I like mm -hmm. want to share that because there's people who do yeah. want to to find out about it. So, yeah. But I mean, that's like, I have my musician page on Facebook and, and you have yours. So like if people want to tune out of that and they just don't subscribe to it. Right. Like, yeah. Which it, hurts my feelings, but that's but, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm just like why do you want to be my friend if you don't want to like my music like right. i am that person yeah. like who yeah. are you anyway now you know what it's really it just all jokes aside though i mean i don't expect everybody to like what i do it's you know it is what it is but i, I always i make those jokes with people but yeah. anyway it's part of i mean that's just part of every artist like i like because i have a lot of music friends and it's all the same like you yeah. want people to like what you do, but you also don't want to sacrifice what you're doing to make them like it. Like you want it to be natural. Yeah. You want them to like yeah. you for who you are. So, and yeah. that, that's why there's different genres of music. That's why there's all types of art because it's all subjective. And it, I think totally. if they like you as a person, then in tune, they will like what you do. It might not be their thing, but they'll still support you. Well, and that's how you kind of start out anyway. You know, yeah. a lot of times, this is funny. I don't know where you want to go with this conversation, but it just brings me to another thought is that like, I think that, you know, as you are an emerging artist and you're sharing your, your songs or your art or anything with people, people, people grab onto you first. Like it's not that often when you're starting out that people hear the song and are just blown away by the song. Like, I don't care who you are. Like there's lots of good music out there. There's tons and tons and tons of good music out there, but it takes way more than that. So you have to be the person that you're the one presenting this. You're like, so you're absolutely right. If they like you, they're going to give your music a chance and they listen to it completely differently. I mean, there's also like people who just hear it on Spotify or the radio or whatever. And they're like, that's a really great song. When that happens, that's amazing. But, you know, 
people connect with with another human and like that's what attracts people in so yeah. which is know, kind of the all... point and the purpose of me doing this podcast at all it's like yeah i know a lot of people I don't get to hang out with them often because I live in Miramichi and it's not exactly yeah. the Mecca for, for live music. I mean, we're getting there. We're, we got some stuff coming we up. We live and, in the Maritimes. Right? It's really, yeah. I mean, honestly, come on. Like yeah. it's, we're, we're, we're small, but mighty, but I mean, there's only so much you can do. Exactly. Um, Cause I mean, that like in talking with the whole music in Miramichi, that's, that's where we met back in, I think it was what 2016. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the Festival 506. Yeah, I think yeah. that I frantically needed a patch cable or something too. Yeah. And I still have your cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, but that's just it. And, and that's another thing with being part of the Maritimes is because we are small, but mighty, we help each other out whenever there's somebody in need. Right? Oh, totally. Totally. And that's, and that's one of the most comforting things. It's like, I mean, I know a few people in Toronto, but if I was missing a patch cable in Toronto, it'd be a whole lot harder to have somebody yeah. show up with one and be like here i am you know yeah. so i mean it would take them like an hour or two to get there anyway right? oh gosh, <laughs> totally so yeah. no it is it's comforting and it's it's one of the things that helps build up your your profile and your confidence is having that local support and having mm -hmm. you know people be there for you to lift you up so i mean i appreciate it mm -hmm. a lot yeah, yeah. um i know you go into this in your podcast which i have listened to um oh, the, es the essence of jacqueline uh <laughs> but for people that haven't listened to that um just kind of getting into like where you are because as part of who you are it's where you're from right so where, yeah. where were you um originally from so i grew up just outside of fredericton in a mm -hmm. place called crab mountain and yeah, so it's it. about yeah it's about 30 minutes so if you're a skier 100 percent um, it's actually called Haynesville, but nobody really knows that unless you're from close to the area. Cause from it's there. just, it's a little community, like literally like one of the smallest places. We didn't have a mayor. We didn't have anything. We used to have some rec centers and churches and stuff like that. Right. But even now, like it's pretty, it's pretty rural. And, um, but still, yeah, grew up outside of the city, grew up a country girl, you know, hunted, fished, went out on four wheelers and stuff. I know I don't look like it, but yeah. I can change tires and change oil. No, that's I'm yeah. lying. I, I don't think I can change oil. I think I've helped. I can't change <laughs> anyway. oil. I've never helped. So it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wear the beard as like a facade of my manliness. <laughs> hey, that's the style now, like plaid and beards and stuff. Like you look like a lumberjack, but you don't know how to cut down a tree. That's right. That's yeah. totally legit. Well, to be fair, I've had the beard since like 2000 yes. so <laughs> i don't think i would i couldn't it. i wouldn't recognize you without one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um oh, yeah. so you have a large family like growing out in the country like do you have like siblings and, and stuff like i that? have one sister one sister she's a couple years younger than me um mm -hmm. and that was it the other than my uncle who lived with us for about 12 years who has down syndrome who's almost like a quote-unquote brother growing yeah. up you know um but he's my uncle. He's yeah, yeah. hilarious. But um, yeah, no, but my, my, my parents' families are large. So I have, you know, a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins and things like that. Our families always were very active growing up. Not so much now people are getting mm -hmm. older and some have passed on and whatnot, but yeah. Um, yeah, I had a very beautiful upbringing. I would like to say Looks in good. the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very tranquil. Yeah. And not too far out of the city. So if you needed to, you know, 
get your oh yeah we were like halfway between Fredericton and Woodstock right so it was like I mean even though Woodstock wasn't as big um still it has everything that you need and like Nackwick going into Nackwick mm -hmm. that's where I graduated from is Nackwick High and so nothing was ever too too far and you just get used to it it's like even people who live in cities like when I went when I was in Toronto for a while <laughs> like you don't get anywhere in under an hour 45 mm -hmm. minutes at best right yep. and so you know for me I was like this is nothing but yeah. what was weird to me is that I could get in my car and it took me six minutes to go as far as like what it would be in Toronto is like you know 45 minutes to an hour because traffic yeah. is ridiculous <laughs> yeah exactly like that's and that's the thing with being in Brunswick or in Atlanta Canada is you can play other cities which have other pockets of musicians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the amount of time that it would take for you to get anywhere like you said in the big city so yeah. an hour and a half drive from here to get to Moncton or two hours to Fredericton like mm -hmm. to play at the Capitol or play at the Cavo that's that's normal but you're at least when you're driving you're moving you're not just stuck in yeah. a gridlock yeah but it's the exactly. same like you said it's it's relative it's the same thing so it's to me playing in other cities isn't isn't such a big deal being where we are if it was yeah you know, in a bigger the city it'd be a lot different yeah like I, it was funny I worked at Sabian Symbols for a little while mm -hmm. and I was grumbling about the fact that it took me a longer time to get there or whatever and my friend he goes you get to drive along the St. John River for like a half an hour He's like, I don't feel bad for you at all. <laughs> it's like, no, because it, it is it's like the highway is kind of like the highway is bland. But if, if you look to your left, it's like it's beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Plus, I got to go work for Sabian Symbols. So, yeah, yeah, right. Also that. <laughs> win win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was your family um, like heavily into music growing up? Like, was there always something playing or no? no. Well, I mean, it's funny because my my family like even my mom, my mom's not like a big music person, but she loves Rod Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And my, my dad listened to like a lot of like Steve Earle and like Juice Newton and like um, Dr. Hook and stuff like that. Like those are the ones that I remember and Alan Jackson, Alan Jackson, like, <laughs> God, yeah. and Dwight Yoakam and all that stuff. So yeah. I had more of like, like the things that I listened to around my family was more like country you know that that like roots rock kind of mm -hmm. stuff and and uh so there wasn't really but nobody played music like close to me like I had cousins that sang and stuff but like no nobody in my immediate family or even like like my aunts and uncles were were artists okay so what kind of gave you the itch to to start playing music it's weird. I mean, maybe it's because I have an ego and I just love attention, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was, it wasn't until like, I mean, I'd sang in church and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I did things at Christmas time and, and uh, throughout the year when I was in church, but then of course, like after I was 15, I stopped going to church. <laughs> um, also realized that my parents sent us to church probably to have quiet time right. because they didn't go to yeah, church. Yeah. Okay. they're not religious at all but we lived beside a church free daycare they're like that's a great place for you guys to go for like two hours why don't you why don't you go to church and find jesus um you'll be safe yeah. <laughs> but it was fun actually that is part of my upbringing that i although not like practicing christian or anything like that you know but like i feel like that was something that helped shape my my beliefs and my character and you know my integrity and stuff like that too so anyway that's another your story. moral compass kind of thing yeah my moral compass I like I guess I could cut it down to that thank you mm -hmm. <laughs> but um 
so when I went to college, I went to NBCC for a year. It was after I graduated and I was like, I want to be doing something, but I don't know what I want to do. So instead of like firing up the university machine, I decided to take uh, the time to just kind of think about what I wanted to do. But I also was kind of anxious and I ended up going to uh, take a French as a second language course. <laughs> Okay. So when I was there, I met some friends who, you know, were, were into music. I had never spent much time around musicians. Um, and my friend, Melanie, she showed me a couple of chords. And I also remember there was a girl, I don't know if you remember her, she doesn't perform anymore, but she was amazing. Her name's Cora Woosley and she went by uh, a name called Betch. And the band was called Betch. And I just remember watching her and being like in total awe, like in complete awe and being like, oh my gosh, they're so good. And like, I want to do something like this, you know? So, but like, I didn't like, I didn't have any training. My friend showed me three chords. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like, this is like early 2000s. No, this was still like in 1999. I'm old mm -hmm. by the way. Um, but Same. the thing is, <laughs> It was like when the internet was really kind of just starting, we were still on dial-up and I was like going on to like Guitar Tab Universe and I was like finding all these different songs that I could play. Mm -hmm. So then I started learning how to play songs and learning other chords and like Tragically Hip and like some Tom Petty and all that stuff. And I was just like playing that so much. Like I used to set up the video camera and video myself while I was playing. If I ever get okay. to go back to those videos, like it'd be terrifying, but <laughs> like, I was always like interested in getting better or something like seeing what I was doing. And I was, I was critiquing myself, but I had never, nobody taught me how to do that. I just mm -hmm. did. It was, maybe it was the friends that I was around. Like it was indirect is what I'm saying. So then um, I started playing. And then once I started realizing that like, Hey, I can write my own songs. I started writing some songs and writing them about my friends. I remember I had um, a karaoke machine that was my, uncle patrick's actually okay. who's yeah, yeah. who loves music so much oh yeah. my goodness and that's very um, common with with um people that have down syndrome like yeah oh yeah. he's just he just loved it so he had this yeah. karaoke machine but here i am with the karaoke machine with the tape i put the tape in had the microphone and it had a record feature so mm -hmm. i recorded myself playing these songs and i made a tape for my friends with my friend's song and a song about my ex-husband and a boyfriend well that he was my boyfriend at the time or whatever yeah, yeah. um like i i did all these different things like that and i had no idea about the world of like you know pursuing it professionally it wasn't even really like it wasn't even really something that i like i didn't understand it so i didn't really do it like it, that was a slow burn mm -hmm. like to to me even transitioning into it and then you know my the person i was with at the time who became my husband and I had kids with, you know, life had just kind of like, yeah, kind of started like the family route and everything. And, and so I really, you know, I, I didn't really pursue it a whole lot in my twenties until like my mid to late twenties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you say, the, 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 the wave of life, like you, you just kind of get wrapped up in this is what you're supposed to do next. You're supposed to do this, get a job, support your family. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just kind of fall I into that routine and while the other artistic side of you just kind of gets pushed off to the side for a while and it just kind of stews and builds until it finally comes out right because it, yeah. it's going to come out eventually and i think that that's exactly what happened it was like you know i i had my daughter and you know i went back to work 
when she was about 10 months old and I was working, I was working in St. John actually at the time, Aaron and I had moved back here, but I started going out and meeting people. So this is like, I had no idea about anything, right? Like I didn't know about like really performing professionally to any level. Like I knew nothing. Um, but I started going to like open mics mm -hmm. and I went to Brent Mason's open mic at oh O'Leary, <laughs> which Mason. is the Mecca of all, like, you know, like if, are you even a musician if you haven't been there and you live in yeah. the area? Like, I mean, come on, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I've Brent's amazing. <laughs> and he, yeah. right. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. And I lived in St. John for a number of years. Yeah. Did you? Oh, okay. So this was back in like 2005. Um, yeah, that, that would have been that, when I was there. Oh, so actually I got to go back a little bit. Aaron and I, I had wanted to, I had wanted to discover some more musical side of myself. And when our daughter was really little, we did move to Calgary for a little bit. And oh. actually that's where I started meeting a few other people. I was out in Calgary for probably like three months we mm -hmm. were, and I would go out and I did meet some other musicians and went to some open mics and stuff. And it was, and it was really neat. So that's actually like I wasn't I don't I didn't perform like mm -hmm. I, I just went out and I met people I started right. performing at Brent's but right. when I was but in Calgary I kind seed. of discovered it yeah, yeah. That kind of planted the seed yeah it did and I met this really cool artist um and his wife well actually I think it was his girlfriend at the time but anyway this couple who they were just so good I was like wow you know I was just again like starry-eyed and like like who are you and and how do how does this happen? You know, yeah, yeah. and it is their names are Troy and Joni. And this was 15 years ago. Anyway, I remembered Troy playing this song. It was called Pickup Truck. Okay. And it was super cool. And it's country, you know, I mean, Calgary. So of course it's called Pickup Truck. Stuff. It's called Pickup <laughs> Truck. And uh, anyway, and he was talking about how this artist had picked it up. And because they're like songwriters, they do their own stuff, but they they songwrite for other artists. And a lot of country music is like that. Like yeah. there, there's, there's the artist, but then there's actually like, you know, the yeah. songwriter very behind few, it who is really the artist. Yeah. Very few country music artists write their own songs. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> side note confuses me why they call a singer who doesn't create the music, <clears throat> the An artist. artist. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, no disrespect to anybody because actually fronting something and, and carrying the mo motion does require artistic merit mm -hmm. but i always thought that it was kind of a kind of an off sort of designation like yeah. it doesn't the artist the person that came up with the song yeah. anyway there's still an artist but um anyway so troy had told me about this song and i watched them perform it and then i heard it on the radio and the guy's name is shane yellowbird and i was like i got to see like the impetus of this and what like what <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, it was the coolest thing ever because, because that was the first time that I saw like how the beginning of that could be. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I always like kind of kept in touch with them and they're, they're, they're still like connected with me now. And Shane or um, sorry, Troy has actually been a mentor to me mm -hmm. in the last little bit, like with this new record and stuff and my career going forward and everything. Mm -hmm. Like I've, hired him as a consultant a couple of times just to like you know because because that's his life you know mm -hmm. anyway so that's another story I'm there's wow. so many so many things but this is great but yeah this is, the, this it is was, the whole thing yeah yeah well that's stuff that I don't really talk about a whole lot I guess like you know people see the end 
result, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they listen to the music and they're like, that's cool. But man, there's like, and this is just my story, but like, everybody's got a story that's like probably way more interesting than you could have imagined, or maybe it's not interesting to you, but it's something that impacted the person so much. Like everything shapes us. Every, everything is like all domino effects. Right. Yeah. So that would have been one of your earlier influences just in writing music on your own. And um, that aspiration to, yeah. to discover like the more commercial slash like professional side of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like seeing that you can write songs and other people will sing them and put them on the radio. Like, what is that? Right. Yeah. I'm from the country. I'm from New Brunswick. Like <laughs> artists in New Brunswick don't even like talk about, weren't talking about that at the time. And even yeah. now, like, even now, like, you know, there is a completely different mentality in New Brunswick and in the Maritimes than there is when you go to these larger metro areas. Mm-hmm. And, and I discovered that like a slap in the face when I was in Toronto for a couple of months. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you quickly realize that, that uh, there's a different caliber there. There's a different mentality. And I'm not saying that anybody is not good here, mm-hmm. but going to Toronto and stacking myself up to other people, I was like, I realized how mediocre I had been being, you know, because the the world is a bigger place than just, yeah. Oh yeah. There's more competition and literally like the, the, the pace of things moves faster, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so their worst is like still really, really good. Yeah. (laughs) Like um, they're, they're actually like, they're, they're, they're really, really good. So I was like, okay, like I want to, I want to step up my game. Like I want to get better. I want to keep getting better. And that's all I don't, I'm not comparing myself to other people in the sense that like, I want to be better than them. I just want to be better than I was yesterday, every day. Yeah. Well, they say like iron sharpens iron, right? So when there's more of that community pushing each other to get better, it's exponentially going to be better than somewhere where there isn't as much of that happening. And yeah. it's just part of the whole populace. Like we're in more of a rural province, so we don't yeah. have that amount of, of people pushing each other. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. And you know, like I can probably pick up the phone and book a gig now with somebody opposed to being in a bigger Metro and having to really like, because people know who I am, mm-hmm. it's easier for people to like hear the names. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in a bigger population, I mean, how do you prove yourself? Right. Like you have to, it just, it forces you to get better. And I highly recommend anybody that, that wants to take this to next levels is to go spend time in those areas because it will make you better. And I'm not saying again, it'll change your perspective on things as well. It did. You you can do nothing but grow. Mm -hmm. I always say that it unveiled things for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're like thinking about how things could be, it's easy to get dreamy about it. And like, oh yeah, it's easy to get famous or it's easy to do this. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they say it takes 10 to 20 years to make an overnight success and people work their butts off. Like I'm not talking, like now technology has changed so much. You know, we've got like the TikTok famous people or whatever, like these flash in the pans things and they've got 2 million followers and stuff. And oh, that's cool. But like, are you really connecting with people? Like, are you creating a lasting impact? And that's why I have a really hard time. I'm on TikTok, but like, I don't see the value in it the same way as maybe other generations do. Because like, for me, 
my, I, I want to be able to connect with people and I want to be able to like talk to them and just to follow on, on TikTok doesn't even mean that they're seeing your stuff half the time. So, no. um, sorry, I'm ranting about that, but I just, I, that <laughs> culture just, I'm, I'm, I feel like it seems so cool, but it's also not like yeah. creating a community and, and fans of people who are really going to listen to you is more important to me than getting a bunch of views, you know? Yeah. So um, that's, that's one thing. Don't get me wrong. I like numbers. Well, yeah. <laughs> I love to watch the numbers, yeah, yeah. but it, I just, I find it, it's, um, I don't think that it's a valid sort of uh, representation of who you are as an artist and, and how mm -hmm. you connect with people because you know, it's, it's, what's the next best thing. What's the next funniest thing. What's the right. next, like most interesting 15 seconds of content that I can watch. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just sorry. click on the next button, click on the right? next button, you know, yeah. that like I would, I would much rather play at a show and connect with somebody in the audience and have them come to me after the show and tell me how that impacted them or how they appreciated that mm -hmm. versus getting a hundred clicks or a hundred likes on something. Like, yeah, it's more meaningful because you've actually touched like I see things and yeah, I'm guilty of it. Like I'll see something online and I'll click like and I'll, I'll oh, read a headline too. and I'll, you know, but it doesn't really impact me in the same way as if I were to go to a show and watch somebody, you know, nail this really cool drum fill because I'm a drum nerd. Well, that's you know, the that thing. Means more, it, right? Yeah. Well, when you're at a live show and this is, and this is why it's so important that live music is coming back now that we're kind of like the pandemic's receding and we're starting to kind of get back mm -hmm. there is that like the online content is great and it's always going to live there. And, mm -hmm. and it's cool. I'm not even saying oh, like, I watch TikTok all the time and like different reels and stuff like that. I'm not saying that there's not value in them, but my, the thing that I focus on more is like you, like with the live stuff, like being an artist and being in a room with other people, it's a transfer of energy. Mm -hmm. So all these people that are, that are on TikTok and think that that's cool. If they've never been to a live show, I guarantee you the minute that they get to go and listen to somebody, if that, if that band or that artist can invoke emotion in them, all of a sudden, like their world changes. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things. And, and that, I, that I, I love doing, I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, I feel like you wrote that song just for me mm -hmm. or, you know, connects with it. Like even just, even if it's one person, you know, it's something that tells you that you're doing your job as an artist, as a human, because otherwise I could just stay in my house and play guitar and write songs and never share them with anybody. But like mm -hmm. the fact that we share our creations with other humans helps people to feel something, helps people right. to heal, helps people to like, just take their mind off of something that sucks, like whatever mm -hmm. it is. Well, representation matters, right? So if you see yeah. yourself in something, um, that's going to have a much larger impact than just seeing somebody fall on their face on the sidewalk, like on a TikTok video. Um, yeah. Like your, your new song rear view. Um, it talks about, you know, the decision to leave a relationship and to focus on yourself as opposed to the other person. Right. So, um, and it comes, obviously you're a woman. So it comes from a woman's perspective, which, you know, mm. also again, representation matters, especially today and the climate that we're in with all the bullshit that's happening especially what happened recently in texas which we don't have to get into that um, um but do you find that you have like a bit of a responsibility as a woman to tell certain types of stories in your songs of course because i'll tell you that nobody likes to talk about the bad stuff like 
if you've been through an abusive relationship, which I've been through, if you've been through something traumatic, talking about it openly is really hard for people. Like I'm a really open person. And, th and that's why, like with my art, it's a, that I'm able to, to display that to people in a way that helps them feel like they're not alone. And that, mm -hmm. that's my goal. That is my, like when I write music and I'm talking about my story, it's cathartic for me, but it's also needs to be cathartic for other people and relatable because people don't want to talk about it. It's really hard to leave those situations. But mm -hmm. the, the thing is, is that you can, and, and I want other people and it's not just women. Like I know that you said like representing women, but rear view is about even just leaving a bad relationship in general. That could be mm -hmm. a work relationship. It could be a friendship. It could mm -hmm. be anything like putting it in the past and moving on because there are a lot of situations where, you know, you're not being treated well and you know, the, you, you stayed in that for too long. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't care. Like you're, you're treating me like garbage and I deserve better. So bye, yeah. you know, so. Which so is very scary thing. for a lot of people. It is really scary because there's a comfort in mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that that's what you're used to. Some people are used to being treated like garbage mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you deserve to be but they just don't know any other way. And it's really hard when you're in that situation. I've been there. Yeah. Like I've stayed, I stayed in an abusive relationship for almost a year. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that it was bad, I remember my, my, one of my best friends said, if you don't get out of this, he's going to actually hurt you. Like he's going to physically hurt you. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh no, you know, like I didn't think that was going to happen. And then I ended up with bruises. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing is, is that it's really hard. And, and as smart as you think you are, it's, it's the, your heart and your, and your brain don't connect when you're in manipulative situations where people are controlling you in a sense, like you can't see it. No. And, and the thing is, is once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Once so the veils, it, once the veil has been lifted, they, yeah, it's like you're yeah. seeing the lines in the matrix. Like, yep, exactly. And it took, and it took me a while to get out of that. And it took me a while to heal. So I want to be able, I'm not even healed yet. Listen, I'm still in gambling. I'm in like all kinds of stuff and I keep mm -hmm. writing and stuff like that. But like, the thing is, is that it does get better and it doesn't get better until you make that step to walk away, to leave it because mm -hmm. manipulative people will never leave you alone. If you let them in, you even give them a, a you give them an inch, mm -hmm. they will rip that open and they will destroy any bit of confidence that you have. And that's, that's it. That's all like, there's no other way but to leave. Mm -hmm. So I realized that. And thankfully I did. And that was, that was in 2016. Mm -hmm. I left and, and the, my whole album has really been about like healing from that situation. It really has like okay. that one. And then, you know, um, there's some hopeful stuff in there too, but I mean, it's just like, I need to make sure that as I'm writing and as I go forward writing that I'm able to, to like, prove to people that everything will be okay because it will be, it's hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Uh, and I am living proof of that. My life has gotten so much better, like seriously. Yeah. And I'm not bragging about my life, but when I look around at my kids and the things that I have acquired, not to be materialistic, but like I look in my living room and I love, you know, mm -hmm. the things that I have, I'm like, I'm so cozy and I feel so safe, you know, because you can get them, there. Right. Because you, and, I, them and they're yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And, and so I'm happy and I'm proud of that. Yeah. Well, it's all, well, congratulations. Cause oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
like I recently had a conversation with Kendra just in the whole, you know, representation and being a woman in the, in the music industry or, you know, in the music scene that you'd like you and she have been for a number of years. She mentioned like there's times where she goes to a gig to set up or like she's there alone and they kind of give her like a side eye because she's a solo artist and she's a woman. And like this woman came up to her and said, you know, is there going to be a man coming to help you with that? Or like, have you ever had any of those types of experiences? Yeah, actually recently. Um, really? It's funny because, oh yeah. Well, you know that Courtney is my bass player, right? Yes. So you, of course, know Courtney. Of course I know Courtney. So, so we, had a, we had a show recently and, you know, we struggled with the sound a bit because of the setup and it was nobody's fault. It was just like, you know, we didn't have a sound person officially. So we, we had somebody who was, was working on it or whatever. So, yeah. so everybody that worked at it made it sound the best that we could. Right. Right. When we were done the show and we had, we had a good show. Like, I mean, I love my band. They put on a great show with me. And like, so, so that was, I was feeling pretty good about it, but there was two men, men, there was one as I'm walking away, this guy comes over and he's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, you guys, you guys are really good. And he's like, but like you, your microphone wasn't loud enough. And he was like telling me all this sound stuff. And I was like, he was mansplaining. I didn't, I didn't the, ask uh... you, I didn't ask for your opinion and he has no idea. I know I did not. I was nice. And I was like, Oh, thanks. Okay. Yep. Yeah, oh, you know, whatever. Just like, because yeah. I'm not going to get in an argument with people. Yeah. But after that, I was telling Courtney about it. And she was like, you know, they probably wouldn't say that if we weren't women. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Would you go up to a man and be like, you know, your sound wasn't really good. Like, you know, well, shut up. Like, I seriously? <laughs> well, you might. But the thing was, is like, why do people feel the need to say that? I don't know. It probably came from like a place of genuine sort of like feedback. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I'm not a man. So I can't say what the difference would be. But all I know, and then there was another guy too that just, he wouldn't stop talking about the sound. And the thing was, is like, they, nobody knows what goes into the behind the scenes. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit there and, and explain everything to everybody, but we tried our best to make sure everything sounded as good as it could. And it was mm -hmm. a tough stage to do it at. It's a, it's open air. Like, you know, was, like it a, was it just the two of you or was it the full band? It was the full band. Okay. So, you know, so they didn't go um, to the other guys in the band, like your drummer and the other guitar player to tell them that. I, I don't think so. I, I, <laughs> No, I, but there was just this one guy that was like, like, like he was kind of hanging out and he was like, just, mm. I don't know. Like he kept telling us all this stuff about Sam because he was a sound guy before and that's fine, but I didn't ask you mm. and I don't need your feedback right now. I was trying to like, I was trying to like unwind from this show. We were trying mm. to pack up and I've got these people talking to us about sound. So, so in that case, yes, I feel like I was being treated like I was an idiot because mm because of this thing that honestly I knew I was fully aware that our sound wasn't going to sound perfect for multiple reasons and we did the best that we could like even Sebastian my guitar player like he's amazing and he worked his butt off you mm -hmm. know and the girl that was helping us with sound she was amazing and she worked her butt off they did the mm -hmm. best that they could with what we had but then you know other people don't see that they can't hear that they don't know what yeah. the back behind the scenes stuff is but if, I'm sure that anybody listening to this is probably not one of those people, but just as a word of <laughs> advice, like don't offer your opinion on sound. If you have no idea what happens, like, yeah, there's so many intangibles. Know, there's so many things that yeah, happen with like, or anything in general, like, you yeah. know, like, 
Uh, I am open to constructive criticism. Believe me, like that's why I have mentors and performance coaches and vocal coaches and stuff like that. Like, here's what I do. How do I make it better? I'm asking you. But you give somebody your, their, uh, your unvarnished opinion without them asking. And guess what? Like, you're probably not building a very good connection with them. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, yeah, like constructive criticism. I mean, you, like you said before, you've gone to other provinces, like you were part of the Canada's music incubator and yeah. the, the shivering songs and the songwriting. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The Canada's songwriting Canadian, challenge. Canadian songwriting challenge yeah. in Bathurst when I was in Bathurst. Oh, in Bathurst. <laughs> <laughs> batters um so what how um, what were some of the takeaways from those experiences working directly with somebody and crafting a song oh the co-writing experience is something yeah. that i find really valuable um it's it can go either way it can go really well or it can just be like yeah just too not bold, something that you'll ever kinda, use yeah yeah um i haven't experienced a lot of like like not great co-writing situations. A couple, a couple weren't great. And, and uh, I've had to walk away from some songs, but um, you know, but it all helps you build who you are. It helps like as a, as a writer. Um, and that's another thing about the co-writing situation. So doing the Canadian song challenge, I get to write with Andy Brown or Aiden Towns and like Danny Boudreau and Matt Boudreau and uh, Hayden Weeb. And like, there's, there's a, a really wonderful thing that happens when you start writing with people who are like predominantly from other genres too, or just like mm -hmm. had different experiences, like they hear things differently than you do. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's really good. Like it just, it helps build. And like, it's like proofreading your own work. So it's almost like you have somebody critiquing your work real mm -hmm. time. Right. Yeah. And you're making their stuff better and they're making your stuff better. And, and all those things kind of like, they meld together really well. Yeah. So I've, I've been, I love co-writing. I co-write often. Because yeah, everybody has the their own process, their own way of approaching a song. Somebody yeah. will be the melody first. Someone it'll be, yeah. they'll have to feed off of a lyric or, you know, that kind of thing. What, well, what's your process like? Like, do you start oh. with music first or like a vibe, a, a lyric, a, a message? Like, It's honestly... It it's all over the place. Like, okay. it, and, and so it really, it can be anything. Like sometimes it's a lyric that I had. Okay. So for example, when I wrote sleep with ghosts with uh, Tyler Lombard, who's mm -hmm. a friend who used to live in Fredericton, but he lives in Toronto now. So we met up at, so at the SoCan Songhouse when I was there, because mm -hmm. if you're in Toronto, well, maybe not now with the pandemic stuff, but if you're in Toronto, you can go and write, uh, you know, the mothership. Right. <laughs> so so we went and I, I booked the room for the day and I wrote with a few of my classmates that were in the program with me. And then Tyler came over later and the way that we did it was really like, it just kind of came about because I had, remember I told you about that 45 minutes on the TTC here and there. So I had a lot of things that I was putting in my phone and, and writing, you know, as I went, because I had all this time to think about things, you know, when you're, when you're in New Brunswick and you're driving, you think about it, but you can't write it down. Yeah. So so when I had, you know, my, my chauffeur, the, the train operator or the bus operator, I was able to do that stuff. And so I had the lyric, you know, I'd rather sleep with ghosts. And I can't remember what the other stuff was. Cause I, because we changed it. Like we went back and forth, but, and uh, Tyler already had this awesome melody. Like as soon as I said that he just, he jumped into it and it was like, oh yeah. So 
those just married together really well. And then we built the song around the chorus. And then it took us like we wrote that in 2018 and we actually went back and forth a lot on it and just worked on the lyrics. We have the, the structure, like the melody and everything nailed down. And then we just go back and forth. And um, but it came from a conversation too. like we started talking about like dating and, and how frustrating it is to like be with somebody. And you just kind of get this feeling that they're looking for somebody better. Like they're with you right now, but like, are they yeah. really? And every and time I'm somebody comes person, in the room, they're kind of taking account of, okay, yeah. what's, what's the better option here? Yeah. Right. And just because they're lonely and want to fill in their time that they're with you, but you're still, but you're, but maybe you want more or something. So you know, I said, I'd rather sleep with ghosts, like the idea of this person than actually be with somebody because I find that disrespectful. So like mm -hmm. I've walked away from like I've been single the better part of 10 years. And <laughs> it's funny today I make seven months with my partner now, which is really funny. We're since our first date. Awesome. And um, it's and it's the first time that I've been with somebody that I didn't feel like they were looking for somebody better, that they really, really like me. So anyway, when I well, I think he does. I don't know. <laughs> be determined. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that like, like, I think about that, you know, sometimes that when we, we started writing that, like at that time, I was feeling like, I'm not going to waste my time with somebody that I feel like is not in it for the long run. And neither was Tyler, like Tyler was, we were, we were on the same page with that, right? Like dating is tough and it's hard on your emotions. So that's where that was born. There are other times like with rear view, mm -hmm. um, that came from a title. So I had to, I had to write a new song for the album and i was like because i didn't want to miss the opportunity to use some work that we had already done so i had uh, reached out to my friend kim i was like look i need some help with this i have the shell so let's do it like let's do you want to write with me and she said yeah and we had started before she had a list of titles so that's another way to write it's like mm -hmm. you see what the title could be and all of a sudden it was like i saw rear view and I was like, that's, that, that's a song I want to listen to. Like, mm -hmm. that's, I don't know what it is yet, but that's yeah. one. I was like, Kim, let's go with that one. She had, she had uh, figured it out. So I was like, I need a new melody. So I'm, I'm not going to show you what the original song was so that you can just like, this is where I need you to, to work with me on. So she, she came up with the melody and we started writing. And, and I was like, I, I don't know, I was driving one day or whatever. And the rear view thing kept going. And I was like, the only time I'll see you is in my rear view. And, and then, then we just, we built everything around, course, you know, right? this idea yeah. of leaving it in the past. So um, yeah, we worked really well together on that. She's an incredible writer and we just, we had a lot of fun and we, I'll probably write with her again, but like the other, like, so that, so that was, those were songs for me, mm -hmm. um, which was awesome. I mean, they could use them however they want to. Right. But yeah. yeah. Um, but I've been the one to like produce them and, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, bring them to life and, and promote them and everything in, in this way that, uh, is this new sort of style that I've started mm -hmm. with being like the Americana roots rock. So, yeah. so yeah, there's all kinds of different ways. I know I went off on a tangent with that, but like, mm -hmm. like sometimes it's lyrics, sometimes it's melody. And for me, it's just, it depends on the minute. Like, um, you know, a lot of co-writes come from a conversation first. You're just talking about life and you're just talking about the things that are bubbling up. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, that's mm -hmm. the idea or that's the lyric or that's the word. Like I was in a co-writing session not long ago and uh, he said something, we were talking about the music industry and he's, 
he's deep into it. Like, I mean, he, this is what he does for, for work. And we were, um, start, he was mentoring me with some stuff. And then we talked about co-writing and he was telling me about these, these songs and the way that things work and how like, you know, it takes a long time for things to gestate. Like you can write a song. Like I wrote, I wrote last disaster six years ago or five years ago. Right now mm -hmm. it's just coming to the table. It's the yeah. same song. Um, but it's like, we've made some adjustments or whatever. Or I've made some adjustments and well, you've and, changed um, since you started that song. Like you're a different yeah, person than when you started that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the thing is, is that like, it takes time for them to really grow and de develop. But um, he was talking about how he got a song on a TV show or no, he, he pitched it. It was a song for Serena Ryder actually. Oh, wow. okay. And he was saying that he had had that song written a long time ago and he had like pitched it around other places. And finally, you know, this, this came about. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, wow, you're such a great writer or whatever. He's like, I was good when you told me no, it's the same song. You know what I mean? Like he said, I was good when you said no. And I thought that is so right because yeah. it's like, it takes time for people to grab on and to go, yeah. And to recognize like, it's not until you have this like association with something else, people go, oh, you're good. No, no, it was good. Like yeah. a while ago, you just didn't realize it. You just didn't and, see it. Yeah. Yeah. So when he said that line, I was like, Bobby, you and I are writing a song about that. Like that is going to be our next co-write together because, because it's true. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm just as good of a person as I was before. I might've changed, you know, visually and my goals have changed and I've respected myself more, but my core as a person is the same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's those types of things, but yeah. So co-writing is one of, it's very therapeutic. You have these, it's almost like you're in counseling sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you say you, you change as a person, you grow, um, like you said yourself, and you've mentioned that in your podcast, like you've, you changed your, your outlook on life and you made the decision to stop drinking and, and live mm -hmm. a more sober lifestyle. Yeah. Has that impacted like in the way that you approach songs and well, I guess just life in general, really? Well, okay. So, so a couple of years ago, it'll be two years next month, actually, since I gave it up didn't know that it would be this long, but I knew that I needed to heal from the trauma that I had been through, like mm -hmm. after being in that abusive relationship and leaving Moncton and like coming back home and just sort of regrouping and everything. I still wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew that I needed to heal, but I wasn't really ready. And it, so it still took me a few years. And then, um, I was in another terrible relationship after that. I mean, it wasn't as abusive per se, but it was, it was pretty bad. It was a pathological liar. And, yeah. um, so I, so that really impacted me too. And then, so a few months after that relationship ended and some, some trauma that I'd went through with some other bad decisions, um, I looked at my habits and I was like, I was like, what am I doing? I kept thinking that I, like I had to drink to write songs. So I'd buy a bottle of wine. I'd be like, yeah, because I thought that that was bringing out the most authentic part of me. I really, I really did. Like, you, like even my best friend has said it before. She's like, you know, you don't, you didn't have to do that to, to, to write. So walking away from alcohol helped me to have to deal with everything at face value without like this layer of like, you know, this uh, false sense of like confidence with that alcohol does end up giving you. And like, I just, I wanted to focus on my healing with counseling and stuff. My idea wasn't to write better, but it was to become a more authentic version of myself and really pull out those parts. And, 
as I, as I began the journey, like, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't have a plan. All I said was like, I know that I want to give up alcohol for a while. I don't know if it's a day, a week, a month, a year, you know, like, I don't know. But what I did notice is as time went on, I was digging in more and I was like, really like, like when I had those bad feelings and those bad memories or whatever, I was, I was addressing them with a clear head and being able to like really feel those feelings because you can't heal from anything. I don't believe you can heal from anything if you don't feel it. It's like, you know, I mean, sure you can take Advil and it numbs the pain if you twist your ankle or whatever. Sometimes those are needed, but like, but the problem is to give you this sort of metaphor type of thing is that like, if you think that that ankle is healed because you have Advil in your system and you walk on it, like it's healed, it's not going to heal. It's the same thing with substance abuse. It's like, you're numbing yourself and you can't emotionally move on from anything because you're not dealing with it. So that's my perspective anyway. Yeah, and it's so, like a ba- putting a bandaid on something that you need to stitch up. Like it, yeah, it's not going to yeah. go away. And I wasn't always like an emotional drinker like that, but after like, after the, the, the trauma, I, I was, I was numbing myself and, and I knew it wasn't good. It wasn't good for my health. It wasn't good for my kids. It wasn't good for anything. Like I knew that my kids deserved better. And so did I. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like I can't be out spending like $80 on a night out of buying wine and cigarettes and food and like going out paying for cabs and everything just to like escape life. That's a lot of money for absolutely no good (laughs) reason. And then feel like absolute shit the next day. Feel like shit. My kids would ask for something. Like if they'd be like, Hey mom, can I get this? Whatever is like $15. I'm like, no, it's too expensive. But a 15 bottle, $15 bottle of wine to me wasn't expensive. Like, come on, you idiot. Anyway. (laughs) So, so I decided that I needed to be there for them and I needed to be there for me and being there for them meant being there for me. So, so I walked away from it and I didn't know how long it would be anyway. So it's like RuPaul. um, It's like what RuPaul says, you know, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? You can't, I just don't believe it to be really true. And it's Mm -hmm. really, and it's really hard. I still struggle sometimes with seeing my value like I, even in my relationship with my partner now like he's he's amazing and I know that he cares about me but like sometimes I'm like oh he can't really like me like you know it's it's so stupid and he's like you're yeah. gonna drive yourself crazy like I am very honest and open with him about everything like he knows how nuts I am but like he accepts me for that so it's it's cool but like the other thing too about this whole quitting drinking thing and and he doesn't drink thankfully like he doesn't like it makes that. it easier. Yeah. Like he just yeah. doesn't like it, but yeah. um, not that he, he never had a problem with it. He just, he just doesn't like it. He'd rather smoke pot, but right. <laughs> you know, the thing is, and he doesn't even really do that anymore. But um, yeah. the thing is, is that I, I had to dig into who I was really authentically because the only way to get rid of that garbage and I'm still tossing things out all the time and, and whatever, but like, when you're able to see that version of yourself, the really more authentic and start loving that person, then you can really dig into the emotions that other people connect with that other people are afraid to dig into that are, you know, not even sure where they are because sometimes we're so weighed down with all of the stuff that that's hurt us that it's really, really hard to pick yourself up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there. I've been laying on the ground, literally like, and just at my rock bottom 
And, you know, you have to make a decision. Like I'm either going to make this better or I'm going to kill myself, like not suicidal, but like, I'm going to, I'm like, I'm just going to like weigh myself down too much. So you don't get to be who you are. And most of us are really, most people are at their core, really amazing, wonderful people. And there's a lot of people that are still hurting that, you know, I hope that if they hear my story and that's why I share it on my podcast. And that's why I talk about it in this album and stuff like that. Is that like, you know, I've had people reach out to me and ask me about like my journey. And like, you know, I, I did this because I finally decided that I was worth more. I deserved mm-hmm. better. And everything in my life started falling into place more once I decided that I was worth this work and not hanging out with people who were, you know, influencing me in negative ways. And, you know, staying away from situations that, you know, like, I still go out to bars and stuff. Sometimes I just drink sparkly water. Like I don't, but I'm not out till two, three, four o'clock on a night mm-hmm. that I'm drinking or whatever. Yeah. So it's really changed everything. Cause when I wake up, I have a clear head. I can't even imagine having a hangover anymore, oh. actually. Like, I mean, I could totally have a glass of wine and everything would be fine. But I'm like, what's the point? Like, yeah. I feel good without it. So what's, what's the point? So I really, at this point in my life, don't see any reason to change that. And I don't ever want to mask my feelings. I hate being upset sometimes, but I know that every time that I, if I'm triggered for something, that's a sign to me that tells me I need to heal a little bit more. And then Mm -hmm. I talk to my counselors about it and then we work on it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, being open and honest with yourself allows you to be open and honest with everyone else around you. And then they see that as you're being a genuine person to then, you know, they gravitate towards you and then you can make meaningful relationships and connections with people. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it really has changed my relationships. Mm -hmm. Like it has deepened my relationships with myself and even with my kids, with my family and with my, the friends that, that I keep close to me. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's made everything much better. And, and I am really in love with my life now. And I just feel like there's, there's always going to be challenges, but like it's always onward and upward. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, um, in listening to your podcast that I, immediately saw that open and honest conversation that you were, I mean, you're having on the podcast, but it was like, you're having a conversation with yourself talking through that, um, you know, some of the ups and downs, like the pain and and the joys. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you have any plans on doing more podcasts? Oh yeah, I do. I just haven't done one in a really long time, except (laughs) for this one now. And I did one with my stylist actually not too long ago. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get into that a little bit more because I mean, I, there's only so much you can say in a song. <laughs> so yeah. maybe, maybe I'll do the guest thing too. And just see, um, you know, to talk to some of the people that have, that have maybe experienced things similar or that, uh, that want to, I like having, having that, but the conversations with myself is like, that's, that's, you're right. Like sometimes, and I do that. I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Like when you're walking down the street kind of thing or just like alone in your bedroom? So like, like if I'm cleaning the house or something or like, I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm such a dork. But yeah, there's, I mean, I, I do plan on doing some more. Um, like it's, but I've been really busy. Like I, you know, I've just, it hasn't been a priority because the music has taken a lot of priority. There's, yeah. there's a lot that now that the trains left the station and I'm, I'm really into the release and, 
you know, working on the music video projects and like keeping on top of social media and like, you know, working with my publicist and things like that, it does get really busy because you want to, you, you really want to make sure that you capture that because the thing is like, once you release the song, like it kind of like, you know, you have these highs mm -hmm. where everybody's like grabbing on and then it kind of like it, settles a down a little yeah. bit because I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of content coming out there. Um, but now like, it's just like following all like the, the processes that we set in place and finalizing some things like mm -hmm. shows. Oh my yeah. goodness. Shows. That's a tough one. Well, it has, it's been challenging to nail down mm -hmm. uh, well, a couple of places. Yeah. It's like you said, especially with everything kind of starting to open up, like everybody's kind of rushing to, to get shows and to start playing again. So, yeah, you know, the, the venues kind of have their pick of who they want to bring in because everybody's available kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. just it. And, um, and we're also getting into the fall where, you know, Halloween's Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. Halloween, Christmas or whatever. So it's like, and, and that's part of the reason why like this record for me is kind of a really quick turnaround. Like I just released Rearview two weeks ago, mm -hmm. just over two weeks ago. And I have another single coming out on September the 27th. Okay. So it, that's a really quick turnaround. It's yeah. not even a month, mm -hmm. but I did that on purpose. Like I looked at the timeline and stuff and I'm like, if I do this, then and I want to have the full record out by mid-October. And then that way, you know, once if people get into Christmas and they're not quite as um, into the new music stuff or whatever, not just mine, but like in general, mm -hmm. I'm like, it's okay. Cause it'll live there. And, and I've got to move on to some other stuff. Like I'll keep promoting the record. Like the life cycle of it goes over the next year, year and a half. Yeah. And then, and then at least then it lives on my Spotify. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It lives on my, on the, the streaming and stuff like that. And, and uh, well, it's, you know, that just it'll it'll do its thing yeah. um we so kind of did I the kinda, reverse we, you did we released yeah we well we did our album we didn't release any well we released one song kind of as a teaser and then mm -hmm. once we had the the full album mixed and done it was like full pandemic no shows everyone oh, like we were literally yeah. in like the red phase of lockdown right. and uh, james was our bass player at the time he was the, the recording engineer and so we had mm -hmm. it all done we had the album cover and we're like, well, what do we do now? Like, do we wait? It's like, no, fuck that. So we just threw it up on all digital platforms. <laughs> we're like, well, there's no point in doing any physical copies because we can't right. sell them at shows or anything. Okay. People can't go out anywhere. So we just did it digitally. And then we only recently, um, within the last month, I'd say, um, we released the actual physical copies. Um, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we kind yeah, of yeah. did it backwards. So it lived on Spotify and now it has mm -hmm. a physical format, which if anyone right. buys it whatever <laughs> well and and hey like pandemic aside like yeah. i i've been i ordered some of my old cds to have on hand because mm -hmm. um the company that i use offered me like 50 percent off because nice. <laughs> they knew that i had a new record coming they're like hey if you want to do this for your old one i was like okay so i did and i got like i don't know like 50 copies or something yeah i think i've sold like 10 Oh, um yeah oh no like that's not very many <laughs> like I've, I've played quite a few <laughs> yeah i suppose yeah now it is but um and people don't want them anymore like the thing is is like a lot of people their cars don't have cd players yeah. you know it's more of a trophy than anything but i can barely even give them away and and i don't take that as like as a dig it's that people just you know they're not using that media yeah they consume so it differently so even for me, uh, you can't really see this, but my album cover is like right it. there hanging yeah. up. That's the proof for it. Yeah. Um, so I did actually have like 
physical copies. Like I have them, I haven't, I haven't had them ordered yet, but everything is ready to go once I make an order. So I'm, I'm actually like starting next week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to release a single. I'm going to start a pre-order campaign, like crowdfunding and stuff. I need to raise some more money for like my music video. Um, well, I did a music video for Rearview saw that it. Courtney directed. Did yeah. you actually see it? Yes, of course I saw oh, it. Oh, that's so amazing. That means that you read that you actually read the article. So that yes. was so <laughs> funny because like that was um, that was like an exclusive for the Sound Cafe. Yeah. And I talked to my publicist. I was like, they want a music video or they want like a YouTube link. And I'm like, my YouTube is garbage right now. I've got nothing good. I'm like, all it is is just like phone videos. I'm like, I don't want to send them that. And I said, but I have, I have this video. What should I do? And he's like, we'll release it at X date. But he's like, if the sound cafe wants it, you give it to them. Cause like, that's a really mm-hmm. good hit. Yeah. So I was like, all right, so I'll do it exclusive. So I told the guy, Stevie, I was like, okay, yeah. this is not released. So the funny, the really cool thing is about that is that the only place that you can see that is if you are on that site, mm-hmm. which means that the traffic that was driven to the sound cafe um, people could see that there. And I noticed that the views on the video, so that is just from people that have that have watched it. And it's like yeah. 52 views. So if you take off the 10 times I've probably watched it, you know, maybe like because <laughs> I always go back and I look for mistakes, I look for whatever, but yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. Anyway, I'm so glad that you watched that. Courtney directed it and she yep. took all the video and stuff. She was amazing. Yeah, was yeah. So I, have, fun. I saw the uh, the Instagram post that you had took with you guys in the car with her in the back. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, the other person would have been playing the song so you could lip sync to. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. So Pamela was our like, she just, I don't even know what to call her. She's just like our jack of all trades. Like she was like, helps with makeup, with like design, with like, ho- like holding my stuff, with making sure my hair's not in my face. Like she's just, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with working with Courtney, I know she's part, like you have a, you put together a band called the fire signs Yeah. Um, with Courtney and, uh, Sebastian Doucette and yep. Andrew Mott. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know those two guys. I haven't really met them or had any interactions with them, but I, I've known Courtney for a number of years yeah. um, and she was in lion salt and they're kind of a power trio. Um, yep. so with the fire sign, is that going to be in support of your album or is that sort of another side project where you kind of just all come together and do all your own stuff so the band came together to support my new project that's why I you know got them in a room and then you know the thing is is that that Courtney and I are both lead singers we're both songwriters we're Mm -hmm. both front women you know the thing was is I was like and she's so good that I was just like I don't feel right like just doing all my own stuff so so Courtney started like um, doing some songs. So she she picked a couple of covers, which was awesome. Now her Lion Salt stuff doesn't really fit with the fire signs per se. There might be a song or two, but you know, like they're they're like pretty yeah, rock. They're pretty um, rock, yeah. And then um, but I'm like, if there's any Lion Salt songs that you want to do, because we because as the fire signs, we're still covering a lot of or covering, we're doing a lot of my stuff. But mm-hmm. the idea behind the fire signs was to have some fun, to play some shows where we can play covers and not come across as like an entirely like cover band, but not an entirely original band. So mm-hmm. it, we can fit other places. Cause with my stuff, when I do showcases and when I'm presenting my album, it's Jacqueline Reinhardt, mm-hmm. but the fire signs is something that it's, it's, it's the plan was is to make it its own entity. Courtney and I like both go back and forth a bit. Like hopefully we'll, we'll have more songs with her, but that's like, it's not on pause right now, but it, or it's kind of on pause right now, just right. as, we're ramping up for the release of this, Excuse but like 
in the new year and stuff, if ever, if we all still stay together and everything, then for sure we'll be doing more fire sign stuff. But that's more mm-hmm. the idea behind it because like if it was Jacqueline Reinhardt's, then Courtney singing might confuse people. So I was like, we need to have a name and we're both Leos. So, yeah. you know, then we came up with the, the fire signs the fire and sign. the boys are not Leos just so that you know but no (laughs) but they're but they're awesome like we have we have such a fun time like in rehearsals and stuff like that and like just like Sebastian is one of the funniest people I've ever met he makes us laugh all the time like we all just like it's just it's a really good vibe and I'm so happy to have them with me right now and and you know they're supporting me with this whole release and they're going to Toronto with me and they're playing the release shows with me so I'm I'm really happy awesome and when you go to Toronto like will it be as Jacqueline Reinhardt or will it be yeah, promoted yeah. as the okay yeah because so I mean I still maintain my solo career because that's yeah. I mean the thing is, is as much as I love them we all know that things change and that's how I've always run my music business is that like mm-hmm. I am the sole owner of my stuff I mean outside of co-writing you know what I mean but like yeah. but I'm the one that owns the masters I'm the one that pays for everything I'm the one that that runs the ship like I am Jacqueline Reinhardt and and such well, you so, are Jacqueline Reinhardt I don't know if you yeah, know funny that. enough yeah, funny. <laughs> so so keeping keeping the focus on my career as a solo solo artist is important so because the thing is is like no matter how tight your band is that's always a variable you know mm-hmm. like you know they're like I've had bands in the past where you know we were together for two years and it was awesome and they worked with me on the record but I still paid them as hired guns on the album because I knew you know like a, like as much of a relationship as it is, people can change and things change or whatever. So if I need somebody else behind me, I didn't, I don't want to have to like, you know, once you crack that egg and the yolk goes in, you don't like, you can't take that stuff out. So as long mm-hmm. as I keep myself as the main focus, that's why with the fire signs, we made that a little bit of a separate entity to have some fun to play, you know, who knows what'll happen with that. We, we, we talk about doing some writing together, like as a unit that way. Yeah. But then my stuff, I take to them. I'm like, this is my songs and this is what they learned. And then, you know, we go from there. Yeah. So it's just, it's more of a protection for myself with my solo career, but the fire signs, I'll take that as long as I can get it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. we we're, we're having fun and developing and see where's, where it goes. Um, and you're all based in St. John. We are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So over the winter when touring is much more difficult, um, then you can just kind of stay locally yeah. and, and play like as, probably, as the band after like october like yeah. mid november or whatever like we'll 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 work more on that stuff but also like that just still includes getting tighter with my stuff too right so yeah, yeah. so it all kind of works together but like you know I, our last rehearsal i was like we're just doing my stuff i'm sorry courtney because like i mean i love listening to her play like she yeah. sings and i just like gets right in my soul you know so it's really fun to to you know have another partner to front a band with that yeah. you just absolutely adore you know so what would, i mean like it's so it's would cool. you guys then with under the the fire signs moniker co-write songs and come up with songs as a band like separate from your solo stuff well yeah like we would do that because we're another thing with like doing some of the covers and stuff is that we're just developing a sound a bit mm-hmm. so if it keeps going which i mean i don't see any reason for it not to but you never know like um yeah. but like we'll see how that develops. Like after I get through this project, if we can spend some time in a room together and not feel like, you know, Oh, we got to do this for this show. Right. We can like just kind of breathe and and see what comes about. That would be really interesting. Cause 
Courtney and I still haven't even co-written together and we talk about it. So it would probably be more like me and Courtney, like bringing a song to the band and then, and then seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, and then seeing what, you know, Sebastian comes up with for guitar and Andrew, like, you know, for drums and stuff like that. Like Courtney's got a really great ear and she loves to produce. So I think she's actually excited to do stuff like that too, but mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Um, and like the sleeps with ghosts that you recorded that with John McLagan from tomato tomato. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. Cause he's yeah, they're they're based in St. John. And so are you yeah, now, they're so in that, grand Bay, Yeah, which is like not even yeah. 20 minutes away from here. Yeah. No, my mother-in-law lives in uh, grand Bay. So. Oh, really? Been, yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful yeah. out there. It was, it was yeah. a really great experience to go out there for the year, like back and forth. Like it was, it was a year. It was almost a year. Um, yeah. Start finish uh more than a year really if you talk about like the start of it but yeah Mm -hmm. so john tracked it um he was doing more tracking at the time he's since you know moved on to just doing mixing and mastering but Mm -hmm. i was lucky to be able to track um when he had uh porch light studios and then of course like as he was moving over into that now he mixed mastered the record too which was awesome and john was an amazing guide you know he didn't he's technically not the producer, but he wore a producing hat and helped me a lot. He guided me a lot. Like if it wasn't for John, it wouldn't sound the same. So, you know, I, I'm very grateful for that because it turned out really, really fun. And I, you know, the people that I got to work with was amazing. Yeah. Like, so what are some of the other names that, that were kind of on that, on that album? So when we did like the bed tracks and everything, um, Clinton Charlton was a drummer who's a longtime friend and wonderful human. And uh, also Chuck Teed, who also I've known for the same amount of time, because those two, those two were like the dynamic duo. Like they are best friends. And like, it was really fun to spend the day tracking with them. Um, John himself played acoustic guitar on that because it made more sense for him to do it because he's way better than I am. <laughs> 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 and uh, then uh, Christian Bellavo, who is in the Backyard Devils, um, he played lead guitar, brought okay. him in on my birthday, actually, last nice. year. And then um, Mike Bigger did percussion and background vocals. Mm-hmm. And also we bounced some tracks down to Nashville to one of John's friends. His name is also John Estes. And he did like organ, Wurlitzer, piano, did that. And then um, for Sleep With Ghosts, the title track, we actually had... John did the arrangement and we uh, had the St. John string quartet come in and play on that song. Nice. Oh, so where did they nice record still. the strings at the Imperial or? No, no. Came right out to John's studio right oh, really? in the, in the room and, uh, and, and, and did it there. I just sat in the booth while they did the takes and I just cried every single time. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's so beautiful. Like, you know, the thing is I spent a lot of money to make this record. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, with the help of like music, new Brunswick and crowdfunding and stuff, but like there was a decent amount of cash that goes into any of yeah. these projects. And I've, I've had to carry a lot of that financial responsibility myself, but at the end of the day, like, I just thought, Oh, I feel like it was just so worth it. To, so like, mm-hmm. I could listen to that song a million times. And it has nothing to do with, with me but it has to do with all the people that were on it every time that I listened to it. It's just like the sense of pride, like all the songs, you know, it's like, I just, I'm so proud of it. I'm so happy with it. And I, I hope that other people like it, but even if they didn't, you know what, like I'll die a happy person because I feel like I got to make something that was really, really beautiful and unique to me. And I'm happy. Well, so far the, the first, 
single rear view is getting a lot of traction. It's getting a lot of airplay. It's yeah. the, it debuted at number 20 on, um, oh, I can't, the name is the East Coast, the East Coast top 30. Right. Um, and like a lot of the articles, a lot of press. So I think this yeah. album is, I mean, clearly it, it's already tracking and it hasn't even been released yet. So I think yeah. it's really fantastic. Thank you. And it's the first time that I've ever, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it's the first time I've ever released singles. I've never done the single thing before. I've, mm -hmm. I just, the last two were just like, boom, here they are. So this is a new experience for me and it's really interesting. And, um, it builds some anticipation for the entire thing, which is really great. And, um, you know, we'll just, we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a journey, yeah. right? So, yeah, I know you're going to be coming to Miramichi next week. I think it is for the downtown. September the Festival. 24th. Yeah. So I'll I mean, be there on Friday night. That'll happen before this is online. So hopefully we'll get to see each other in person. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So I've got, sure. got my pass, so I'll oh, try to make it down. Yeah. Yeah. So. Even pop in for a minute. I'm really looking forward to it. I've played, yeah. I've played that cafe twice actually before. Yeah. Um, I was there for a showcase for Music New Brunswick and then Wynn had me down almost two years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think this is a good spot to, uh, to end the podcast. Um, okay. People should check out your music on Spotify. I'll have all the links and everything like Maybe. that in the description. Um, I uh, check out the video when it is officially released or if you can find it on the exclusive link, <laughs> which is on your Jacqueline sound, Reinhardt music can... page. So. Yeah, well, the exclusive link is is there. If you find it, I'd be more than happy for you to have a look. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And I, I do hope you, uh, you start up the podcast again. Yeah, thank you. I You've inspired me. So thank you. Right. <laughs> okay, right we'll see you, see you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was my conversation with Jacqueline. Um, fantastic chat. I hope you enjoyed it. A um, couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Um, I did, in fact, get to catch her set at the Downtown Music Festival. Um, so I was treated to a great set with some more of the songs featured on her new EP, Sleep With Ghosts, which will be available on October 15th, um, which is only a few days from uh, when this podcast will be made available. So you only have a couple of days to wait. Um, so the, um, speaking of things, uh, that have happened since the recording of this podcast, um, the music video for rear view is now available on her YouTube channel. Uh, so I'll have the link somewhere here, um, on the screen and also in the description. Um, she's also released, uh, the second single from the EP, which is called, uh, takes a little time. Um, so do check it out and check out all the other social media links, uh, in the description, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, so in closing, as always, please be kind, take care of each other. Um, if you see, or if you know someone that's struggling with mental health issues, um, do encourage them to reach out, uh, and let them know that they're not alone and, uh, you are not alone. Um, so until next time, peace and love. See you later.